0: My laptop had just been stolen. Had I emphasized okay. that enough last year? I don't know. I'm not trying to emphasize
1: <laughs> I don't think you did. And also, it's, it's, <laughs> is it fair to say it wasn't just that your laptop got stolen? It's that your laptops got stolen. Yes. <laughs> Every I mean, laptop I owned
0: was yes. in a backpack in view Park in Oakland. Let's just get it all out there. Let's we'll just say it all. <laughs> Let's say the whole thing. Let's say the whole sentence. Let's not just drip it out. Keep and, all yeah. those eggs
1: safe in your safest basket.
0: <laughs> in the safest basket, and yes, and I was, I was like, and I was out of the car for maybe ten minutes. I'm like, this is not a good idea. And in that, of course, yeah, it was about, oh, brutal. Uh, and, and as I have said several times over, what those what those thieves stole it's not, a, it was not merely a laptop, not merely three laptops. stole a working Linux audio config. The price of that is actually priceless. So hope you enjoyed working audio,
1: you bastards. Isn't there a silver lining here that now you're on the framework laptop and with working audio? There's a silver lining. I'm
0: on the the framework
1: laptop. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it... um, Brought to you by
0: framework. (laughs) It's brought to you by framework, actually. Uh, you know, actually, Adam, I am reading a, uh, a the birthday gift you got. I, I recently oh nice recently had a big milestone, turned mm-hmm. big five zero, which is very exciting. And um, I you got me the the book High Noon.
1: Um,
0: yes, very, very very generous of you.
1: Um, well, and- you're putting it generously in that I got myself the book High Noon, used, read it. Oh, did you? And then and then gave it to you. Yes. You know, I played that. that,
0: that you know, here I had thought that copy, which is from a library, by the way. Yes,
1: um, steal it if that's the next question. You're not an accessory um, to anything. You
0: did. It, it, it's from. I mean, it's from Hicksville, New York, which yeah. I had assumed. I mean, sounds like it's a Simpsons reference, but it's not. Um, and the uh, the book feels unread. So it's good to know <laughs> that you've actually. Turns out, I'm not.
1: I'm not accusing you of, because I don't think this is on Audible. So I think you would have had to have actually read it. I think it's good. I like it. I think it's good. He, oh, yeah. No, it was, it was it, I, I enjoyed it. I think we, we talked about it in one of the Books in the Box episodes. So I'm glad you're getting to it. Yeah, I, mean, yeah I think it's pretty, it, pretty good.
0: It is pretty good. It's pretty good. And it's, you know, there are the a lot of, it's a cultural ancestor of Oxide. But there's a, a moment there when McNeely is like, yeah, you know we're not very hierarchical, and so you, you, if like if the engineers think something is a bad idea, they're just going to tell you, and they're not going to do it. But they're going to tell you it's a bad idea, which was very, uh, very much like, hey, at Oxide, if your audio sucks, like <laughs> you're, you're going to be told it doesn't matter what the reporting structure is. So Steve, meet Mike Caffarella. Uh, Mike, meet, meet meet Steve, who is a, a masquerading here as one Lyndon Baines Johnson, master of the Senate. <laughs> Yeah, I have to um, apologize for my
2: icon and name, which were, you know, created four years ago in some kind of COVID video game right? uh, fever dream. <laughs> and I have not logged in since, but I'm happy to be
0: here tonight. I just think that is great where there is somewhere in this planet, there is some kid who's like seeing a photo of LBJ for the first time. He's like, that's the guy that like kicked my ass in Fortnite. Like, <laughs> that's... um. So, uh, well, Mike, it is it is really great to have you here. And of course, you you uh, know Adam from over the years, um, if nothing else, from my wedding. We were all at my wedding yes. together.
2: Yeah, that's right. Adam's ago. been a long time, but it's good to it's
1: good to hear from you. Guys. Yeah, it's, it's been a minute. I think it has been uh, the twenty years that Brian's been married since since I've seen you in the flesh. But but good to speak with you.
0: you too. It has been a really long time, and and this has given me a lot of time. Part of the reason, Mike, I'm really glad that you in particular can join us because. You know, we've you and I, you and I have known one another since we were our kids' ages. Isn't that amazing? Oh my goodness! Yeah, and that's and not to shocking, make us feel, actually. yeah. It is definitely shocking. I mean, no. I, um, and so Brian, I, you know, I'm you not going to exactly denigrate. the same. <laughs> <laughs> You know, my, my kids don't see it that way. My kids really have got some opinions on, on my, uh, my aging, but, um, I think we're aging or as a group we're aging pretty well, but the, we have known one another since we were 18 years old. Um, and so, uh, and our lives have, have, have crisscrossed many times over. We share an alma mater. We went to school together. And uh, so, and Adam, I'm not sure if you knew this, but so after we graduated, uh, Mike went to work for one of the hottest companies in Silicon Valley, Marimba, the early Java company, which is, which right. features in high noon. And, oh right. um, and Mike, when, Mike, and I think this is right, it is when you were going to grad school, you worked at Marimba and then tell me, and then you were gonna head back to grad school. You went to the University of Washington to get your PhD. And it is, I, I believe, it is when you departed that you entrusted me with what has become the, the, the one of the most important things for which I'm a steward, namely the bottle of Marimba IPO wine. The, a possession so <laughs> sacred that I am not even sure you've even seen it. This is like kept <laughs> in, in kept in the vault. I am terrified of that. No, I don't. I, you know, this we is don't very drink funny. Very much, I so. I've
2: actually, I actually, a year or two ago, was wondering where it had gone because I wouldn't have thrown it away. Brian, I'm, I'm glad that. And I was right and that it's still surviving somewhere. This is
1: terrific. Wait, now Wait, wait, did you give it to him? Was this voluntary? Like, did you walk off with it, Brian? Okay, well, so
0: meanwhile, I had told myself yet a third story that Mike had entrusted me with this sacred object, and he had carefully selected among all he knew, and it was I who was trusted with but but Mike's like, Did I throw that thing out? I can't even remember. Maybe I dig it out of a trash can. Okay. So
2: your your story is plausible because I own a statistically absurd quantity of like sun merch from the late nineties. So I think my <laughs> my guess is that you know when I was moving out of town, we had some kind of like high-level summit where we, we exchanged gifts um to, to remember the the dot-com era.
0: The the dot com hostage exchange where I got the Marimba IPO one. And by the way, this is like not just Marimba IPO one, it is signed by the founders of Marimba. If I reco- I yeah mean, no it's it's
2: a good piece of merchandise it's 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 a it's a piece of silicon valley history
0: and i know it's safe because i was making a chuck roast last night and very uncharacteristically because normally we don't drink very much and i use, often use wine for cooking and we were out of red wine and so i went kind of frenetically to go look for the red wine and i i gave it a long look last night i am mean, like no no this is not the way it ends for the marimba ipo wine it can't end being poured out of over a six pound chuck roast it's got a I, I I don't Mike I don't know what our plans are for that thing, but um at this point it's like it has to be pretty we, epic we, at this point. Yeah, we got to come up with it right to be good. pretty epic. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you worked for you. You were at marimba and tell me went back to school and um, but but before you went back to school, or maybe was it while you were at school that you were picking up a consulting gig? Um, because I remember you. I just remember vividly where we were in my kitchen in Noy Valley when you were describing Nutch and the, the, and kind of the work that you were doing with this guy, Doug, and that became Hadoop. That was the, that was the antecedent to, to Hadoop, right? I think I'm remembering correctly.
2: No, that, that, that's totally right. So um, there was about a year when I, uh, I went, I was uh, getting ready to go back to grad school. I was doing some kind of pre you know, PhD program research uh, with a couple of our professors from college. And I had some extra time on my hands, so I did that work with Doug on Nutch. And then it turned out that you know the stuff on Nutch, which eventually became part of Hadoop, ended up being kind of a, a bigger deal than the the research I was working on at the time. So it, I went into it kind of casually, but it turned out to be uh,
0: a great project. It, it turned to be a really big deal. and um if I had any doubts that you can see the future, uh, I, I, my, my da- any doubts should have been laid to rest with with nutch, but then um fast forward many years later to uh 2019 and uh, I told you that that we wanted to go start Oxide. Um you unlike frankly Adam were very supportive of of me starting. <laughs> I, 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 Adam was just like you're going to jump to your death. But uh you were extremely supportive um which was um uh, really uh, such a shot in the arm. And again I remember vividly where I was when you we were we were describing the kind of the progress in AI and you've done, I mean, your work has kind of been at the intersection of AI and databases. Correct me if that's incorrect. Uh, yeah,
2: that's, that's fair.
0: Yeah. And, um, y- you know, you've been, you've been one of these folks who's kind of been working on this problem for a long time while a period where like wasn't making a lot of progress or people weren't necessarily investing in it. And we were kind of talking about what was the state of the art in 2019. And you told me, well, you have to understand that, like, and I was decrying kind of some of the lack of progress as an outsider to uh, to uh, language and language interpretation. And you're like, look, language is basically a solved problem. I'm like, it is. It's like, yes. It's like, you don't know it yet because it's only really in research results. But there's this thing, Bert. it's going to totally change everything. Like, language is solved. So we're kind of on to the next thing. And that was in 2019, which I felt like was, maybe it was, like, well-known among among like database researchers or rather AI researchers, but it was not broadly known, I would say, in the industry. And man, the number of times I've thought about you in that like moment in the last like 18 months, 24 months, I'm like, damn, Mike was like living in the future uh, and saw that that problem actually was conquerable because it has been conquered to really a really surprising degree. I mean, are you surprised at, at how good some of the, the, the LLMs are?
2: Yeah, I think it's shocking. So, I mean, first of all, you're, you're making my predictions sound good in a, in a great way, which is to ignore all my wrong predictions. So first, that's great, Brian. <laughs> appreciate you doing that. Um, that's what we do around here. Yeah, no, it's terrific. And, and the other thing is, saying it was solved, or even is solved now, is, is certainly an overstatement. But, but what was exciting, and I think everyone has seen it now, is like, there was a technology curve to ride on language understanding that there hadn't been... You know, for a very long time, or or maybe ever, um, and that was quite visible at the time, um, and was you know as obviously uh, yielded some of the amazing things that we have now. So yeah, I think it's thrilling. Like I, I know the the AI stuff gets people uh, turned into knots sometimes, but but I you know, they've been making movies about like talking computers since before I was born. I am happy to be around when it actually happened. I think it's great.
0: It is amazing, and so I think that. And we're very excited to have you on this year as we're making predictions because, you know, looking back over and Adam, I don't know about how you feel about this, but you and I did this for so many years not recorded and God, I so prefer recording the predictions um, oh, yeah. where, where we would get together and on uh, the kind of the first Monday of the year and we would, we would re- talk about our predictions, but we would write them down, but we didn't actually record the conversations and I feel that Adam, going back and listening to our predictions from last year, beginning of twenty twenty three, in the beginning of twenty twenty two, it was just very revealing about like what was what were we thinking at the time. And you know I've said this before, we'll say this again, but predictions reveal much more about the present than they do about the future. And I feel like our predictions in twenty twenty two were very crypto centric, so crypto centric that we put a bag limit on crypto. We said you could only have one. Web three prediction because every there was a line to predict the demise of Web three. Um, Adam, you had the you kind of nailed it with your one year prediction that Web three would drop out of the lexicon, which it very much did. Yeah, and then I feel that that last year, we're getting definitely getting into some of the AI predictions, but then a lot of the the VR predictions too, with, with mm-hmm. Meta going so long on on VR it was certainly a big theme. And it felt like pretty clear that this year the theme was going to be, I mean, it has to be, I mean, this is a really big deal. Um, And not that everyone, it needs to make an AI prediction, um, but I would say no bag limit on AI predictions because I think unlike web three, where there was really a line to predict its, its demise because most technologists, and I thought Kelsey was very, I mean, Kelsey was very outspoken when he joined us, Adam, for those predictions and Kelsey Hightower and Kelsey's like, I've never seen something that just doesn't, it has this much hype in this little utility. Um, and had kind of gone into it with a very open mind. I think that on AI, it's like, there's a lot of there there. This is going to be pretty radically change a bunch of different things in a way that it feels kind of unpredictable right now. So I don't know. I don't mind. Am, am I like, am I having some sort of like AI fever dream here? Am I mean,
1: <laughs> this is the most back on and just like grown. This is the most bullish I've ever heard you. I mean, first of all, you're using the term AI and not sort of apologizing for it or say, actually, we shouldn't use the term AI, which was your prediction, by the way, last year. It is I'm my not, sixth
0: year prediction. So now I've got five years to run on that. I still, um, I still want to stand by it. Um, yeah. Yes, excuse me. When I say AI, I actually mean LOMs. And- yeah.
1: <laughs> but no, no, I think I, I, I share your optimism. And it's, uh, it's exciting to predict, but also hard to predict because it could sort of be anything. It could be anything. So, um,
0: so Mike, we, um, because you actually, unlike the rest of us actually are able to see into the future. You live in the future. Please. You really come, yeah. come back to the past to enlighten us mere, mere mortals. Um, We, um, and, and feel free to not take the floor right now. If you don't need, if you don't want to, if you need some extra time, but we, I would love to know uh, what, what are some of the things that you see? What are some of your one, three and six year predictions? And those of you, uh, in the audience, definitely uh, put your any predictions. right please write them down, and either put them in chat, or if you want to come on stage, um, definitely raise your hand. And we'll we'll have you talk about it. But I think we got a lot to talk about today. So
2: can I can I like can I have that, some can I have yeah. some ground rules? Some some you guidance bet. for our first timer first. Is the goal here accuracy, or is the goal here yeah. entertainment?
0: No, the goal here is. <laughs> um, i I I actually you know I would say that's a false dichotomy but that actually is not a false dichotomy really <laughs> accuracy and entertainment really are are diametrically opposed here uh no much more I would say the uh, uh and I you this was kind of famously was it two years ago Adam that we had Stephen O'Grady on and you know yeah. I gave Stephen O'Grady consultant Red Monk who I gave a very hard time about grading his predictions on accuracy and like accurate predictions that are not very interesting because uh, part of, of a prediction that makes it interesting is getting a bit over your skis. So I think we want to be entertaining and thought-provoking. I think the stuff that's plausible is the stuff that, that is kind of outlandish, but plausible. And certainly the stuff that's outlandish and happens to be correct is the stuff that's really
1: interesting. Um, yeah. And actually, we do actually... I mean, it, but, it, let me put it another way, Mike. Like, if we look back six year, you know, in, in 2030, in the distant future, when we yeah. look back and you make some six-year prediction that, like, we all are enslaved to an AI overlord, it's like, if that happens, you're going to look like a genius. Uh, If, you know, if you predict that, like the domestication of the dog is going to continue unabated, like you won't look that smart.
2: (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. Okay. I I think I get, I think I get the shape of it now. And and the idea is like one to three to six years, this is a sequence of escalating ridiculousness as as things go on.
0: (laughs) It is escalating Uh, ridiculousness in that it's like one year is it happens much faster than you think, and yet a lot can change in a year. Um, six years feels like it's in the indefinite future. I mean, it's like, God, just like 2030 feels like it's like Buck Rogers and, you know, Twinkie are walking around. Um, the Was that the name of that robot? Was it Twinkie? Am I making that up? Twinkie?
3: Adam, bold prediction that the uh, overlords
0: will let us look back in the past. Uh, that far <laughs> but, in yeah, I mean, I'll write true. that one down. Yeah, very, write that one down. It's Cooper. Yeah. Uh, Steve would like to clarify to our robot overlords that that was Adam's prediction, not Steve. So Steve should be rewarded in the robot afterlife, please. Um, but 2030 feels like it's so far in the future. And it's really not. 2030 is, its you know, it's only six years away. It's just not that far away. Um, so actually, maybe it is one of Adam, did you have any favorites from? Did you re listen to our predictions yeah. from last year? Yes, if, I did. If,
1: so did, I, I, I think. Any favorites well, you want to revisit? Well, first of all, I want to revisit yours from a year ago, and I want to okay. know how you're going to rulemonger this one. I, the, the, I'm ready. I'm ready to rulemonger. So a year ago, you said that Elon was out of Twitter, out of Tesla, but you sort of clarified, first of all, and we all agreed, out of Tesla first. And yes. you, you said you know, Elon out as CEO of, of, uh, of Twitter because of pressure from investors.
4: And so yes. he is.
1: I mean, he is out as CEO, but I think not, perhaps in the way that you and were predicting. I, yeah, I'm. I'm willing to give myself.
0: I'm afford myself some credit in that Twitter is absolutely a the, the total tire fire, and the and but then he that he is out as CEO, but as you say, it's a name only. So yeah. yeah, no, I think well, I, I'm. I'm happy to take zero, okay, uh, or very little credit for that. How do you? So in that spirit, where I have been so generous <laughs> and. Uh, how do you feel about your prediction <laughs> that uh, we're all in unions I, and that we're all in the he, software engineer's local 701? A
1: couple of weeks ago, you were, I think, or maybe a week ago, you are very generous. You were saying, oh, yeah, I think that that was fairly accurate because there was some news recently about Google negotiating with unions and being forced to. Uh, I don't, I, I'm going to take maybe 5% credit. So my, my prediction was that 2023 was the year of the tech union. I don't think that really happened.
0: I mean, it was the year of the National Labor Relations Board investigation into big tech, though, to a certain degree. Yeah, and I, like I mean, like eight of those. Sure. All ones. You can get get give yourself some uh, more uh, maybe
1: better than five percent. I mean, you know, I'm not I'm not passing, but at least they showed up. Um, so I think that we
0: we are also uh, two years into Laura Abbott's prediction three years uh, two years ago that uh, we'd see risk five in the data center, and I think that that one could still mm. I think it could surprise us. Yeah. Um, I think we could see. Um, so, uh, and I, then I also like to Ben Stoltz's prediction from last year. I think it was a six-year prediction um, that we are all going to need to be therapists. AI <laughs> is gonna, we have to have therapists with the AI to like because the AIs are going to become depressed. They're going to do human jobs, but they're also going to become blue and lose their sense of purpose. That was a good
1: uh, one. So, Ian had a um, Ian had a great one. His six-year prediction was that Apple had a great one. Apple uh, launches VR AR, and then but it's dead by 2029, dead, dead within six years. And his prediction was within 12 to 24 months, they come out with their VR AR, and that was spot on. They announced it in June, and it's supposed to come out in like four weeks or something like that. So, so far, so, so good. He, I was, so far, I so I was good.
3: rereading that in the notes, and I was like, dang, because like, I was going to be making my predictions based on Apple VR AR, and now I feel like I'm just copying Ian, so <laughs> I don't know if
0: you know, copying is allowed. That's fine. We, we, we're going to allow you to copy in. But that's a good prediction from, from, from Ian. So, yeah, Mike, hopefully that gives you a flavor. That's a, a sampling. of the Yeah, I think that's great. Year. I think I got it. The, the, definitely more, uh, uh, but entertainment. And, uh, and, and also just like thought-provoking in terms of what the future could, could hold for us. So with that, do you have any uh, one, three, and or six-year predictions?
2: Well, why, not, why don't I start with, with an easy one on one year, and then I'd like to hear other people's things we can maybe escalate after that. Um, sure. my prediction for one year is the first major sort of news cycle wide privacy scandal involving zoom video and AI processing so okay. someone someone finding something shameful or embarrassing or you know national security linked by like extracting a reflection from someone's eyeball something you can't get with the human eye but like that your AI bot caught sometime we will see I'm gonna guess it in first year but it, if it's in two or three years, I'm still going to take credit sometime in the future, if the robots allow it. Um, some kind of privacy scandal that is only enabled by like, machine processing of your Zoom video.
0: Really interesting.
1: Chilling, actually, as well. Um, I feel like this was the, the plot of some xenophobic um, like Michael Crichton novel in the 90s about Japan. Um, Jeez. Okay.
2: I I know what novel you're referring to. I've never read it. If I've inadvertently (laughs) invoked. I'm going to feel really bad about this whole escapade. No, no, no.
1: I I love it. And I love the idea that also the reflection of my eyeball could be my coffee cup, but the ML will decide that it's something untoward and I'll, I'll, I'll be back footed needing to show people that it was just the coffee cup.
0: And so, Mike, are the ramifications of this that we are all in our meetings with sunglasses on, like World Series of Poker style, where we are all wearing our hoodies with sunglasses? I mean, it's like, what? What, what do we end up? Uh, do, do people attempt to mitigate this? This new does, does this risk um, instill panic in the populace?
2: I I think that's a the the World Series of Poker uh, analogy. I think is a good one. I think that. How do I say it? Um, stopping information leakage is going to be really tough with you know, audio and video sensors. And so maybe you turn it off, maybe you only turn it on for trusted people post-scandal. Eventually, you'll have some kind of, you know, if that turns out to be true, one imagines there's some kind of you know, computational countermeasure you can have that scrubs things out. But uh, yeah, for a while, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe we are all wearing you know, <laughs> hoodies and uh, huddling over the camera so no one can see what's behind us.
0: Yeah, wow. Well, and that and it reminds me very much, Adam. We had a colleague that predicted who uh had really uh focused on on mail on SMTP. And uh he predicted that there was going to be a, a a Google breach um a from a state actor. And it was like pretty chillingly on with the the issues that Google ended up having that caused them to pull out of China. So um feels uh feels plausible, feels very chillingly plausible. Yeah. Good one. Uh, and then Mike, do you want to, we, we can do other one years if you want We can do it kind of take it in terms of time. Let's do do other
2: one, one years. I like to hear other people's. All
0: right. Well, I'm, I'm going to put it out there, Adam. I, I'm, I'm going to, I've inspired by your prediction that web three dropped out of the lexicon, uh, your one year prediction that ended up being, we all agreed that you were predicting with your hopes, (laughs) with your heart, not, not your head but you know what? Your, your heart had its day and you were right. So I I'm taking inspiration and I'm going to say that in one year, AI doomerism is out of the lexicon that, that we do not, that we do not talk about P doom. This whole P doom (laughs) business is gone. The X risk is gone. Um, I, that as people begin to use this stuff a lot more, they will see what it is and what it Mm. isn't. And they're just going to be less vulnerable to this sense of fear. Um, and I think also the arguments are so obviously ridiculous at so many different levels um that I think that, that they're gonna to start to unravel. I also am going to further predict, just to just to make sure that this prediction is wrong, in case it happens that that part happens to be right. I'm going to further predict that the extant AI doomers claim credit for this, that the reason <laughs> that that is dropped out of the lexicon. Is because they raised awareness, and that that AI researchers were able to dedicate their 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 precious caloric budgets to preventing our AI robot overlords from taking.
1: Nice. It. So, so so all all of their doomerism, all of the all of the podcasts and TED talks and whatever, uh, they're going to find some scrap of legislation or research, and right. and decide that's the end zone. They're all going to spike the football and and move on and never speak of yeah. it again.
0: And and, and it is also possible that they will just never speak of it again, Yeah, that, that this is going to be so, such an an absolutely embarrassing episode in hindsight, and it's going to feel like with so many other real problems, it's going to feel like such an absurd pretended problem yeah. that they're just going to quietly
1: yeah. never mention I, it. I mean, I, I think that as people, you're right, as people see ML as and these LLMs as like fancy autocomplete more than... A, a thinking machine that will contemplate your doom. Um, it, it will become increasingly outlandish.
0: Well, even as they like, I think because these things are really extraordinary in, in so many different ways, but the extraordinariness is not, it, it, they're ex- extraordinary as a tool, hmm. as something that like you can use to do stuff with. And that's going to be, this is going to feel just like way more uplifting than it's going to feel like it, the, the idea that this thing is going to like somehow uh, kill any humans, let alone all humans. This is going to seem really ridiculous. So I'm going to say that that is, is a one year prediction. I'm a uh, dear AI robot overlords. You heard me here <laughs> first. So yeah, like make an example out of it. I know I'm, I'm worried what? about the
1: 2030 takeover now, but uh, and what this means for yeah, you and the rest right. of us, but I think it's a great prediction. Exactly.
0: That they're gonna come after me first to send a message to all of you. So, so yeah, when I when I disappear under mysterious circumstances, I don't know I'm, I'm hoping a lot of people are gonna ask questions about
1: that. I have my own one year uh, AI prediction, which is um, what I'm what I'm calling instant ad generation. So you're you're reading an article, you're reading content that is generated by humans, and then ads interspersed so seamlessly that you can't tell the difference, and they are then inserting product placement or because it's 2024 endorsements for candidates or things like that, that flows gracefully from what you're actually reading into this generated content that is like hyper tailored and created on demand.
0: So there is going to be, so let me just make sure that I'm getting this correctly, that, that the ad placement is going to get so good. This is going to be in a year because people are presumably you're using LLMs as part of like for where you'd use a search engine. So, uh, the LOM is like, oh, you know, actually it occurs to me that there's, I, if, are you interested in, in eating some muffins? Because I had some really delicious ones that you should know about from, well, no, from a bakery it, that's actually just
1: down the street. Well, yeah, it's just going to be inserted into other content, whether it's, you know, not like the, the ads that are served within the page it will become indistinguishable from the content around it. Uh, but biased towards the thing that they're advocating.
2: Adam, is this only for new content or if I'm reading like Moby Dick on my Kindle? <laughs>
1: Do all of a sudden the characters go out and you know, they, they, I think buy some great USB C cable? I, uh, I think not, not yeah. Moby Dick, but when you pull up the, uh, the New York Times article from the day you were born, that the ad served in there will we'll, uh, hype up that USB C cable. But, but, yes. but, but flowing with the content of the story, you know, uh, R- Ronald Reagan endorses this USB cable. This is a future that's... I can get. <laughs> well, so okay, so that's that's this is also
0: interesting in that the because I have got a what I what I've got currently as well. So here's what, well, actually no, I have this as a one year. Um, the um that stegan what I call steganographic optimization is becomes a thing where people and I, I Mike I don't know are people actively looking at um hiding messages in content. Such that, I mean, I know that that, that, like this, such a thing does exist, but where search engine optimization becomes this kind of optimization to actually hide things in content to fool uh, the, these LOMs into actually uh, advocating these things, even though they wouldn't otherwise. That's kind of interesting. You mean, like, are people
2: trying to formulate content that finds its way into synthesized answers in a particular way, like the, that's you, right. the, the Like the, you, the, you, the, you the deep neural version of search engine optimization. Th-
0: that's right. Where, because you, you know, on some of these, like, where you have, I know that there's been a lot of jailbreaking um, of with uh, prompts where, like, you just do a UU encoded string of something horrific. And it won't actually, if you ask it to do something horrific, it will refuse. But if you give the UU encoded string of your horrific request, it's like, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll do that. No problem. Here you go. Here's the, here's how to make napalm or whatever it is. Um, B, I, so it feels like that's going to become a thing that's exploitable.
2: Yeah. I mean, I had seen this in the context of these uh, visual language models, which are, are pretty slick, but they don't get quite as much as tension. Um, this is basically the, the way that many of these systems are able to understand like imagery that you give to us. So you upload a photograph, you ask how many people are wearing a blue shirt and you can sometimes get an answer. The quality isn't obviously as good as the the pure text ones, but it is getting better. Um I've seen a, a few of these jailbreak things where like you you make an illicit request as an utterance in a thought balloon by someone in an image. And there's something about like the way that the, the system is distinguishing, you know, the kind of the speech act of the prompt versus the content of it that you know, by putting in the image, it's been able to confuse things, systems in the past. I, I don't view this as like a, a long term problem, but you've you've seen it in a, in a few examples in that area. Yeah, interesting.
0: Uh, Steve, do you have a a one year?
3: Yeah, I too. do have a one year. I actually have all three, although I'm 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 fine tuning my six because it's a spicy spicy one. Uh, my My one year prediction is that uh, Apple VR will do well, but not take over the world. I'm not hundred percent sure how to quantify that exactly. I think it will like not obviously fail. I, I think it'll set them up to make a revision too. Let's put it that way. Like It will do well enough that at some point after a year, they'll end up doing a
0: second revision.
1: Um, it's not a, not a Newton, but it's not an iPhone.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> And I feel like I I was engaged recently in some debate about the was well, like well the iPhone you know the iPhone really did not have a lot of excitement around it like that's not true you're like I don't you're think you're like I've I been really? hearing well, from Adam okay. for like three was, years about it right
3: listen I was in that conversation and I think that you are coloring you the conversation, okay, yeah. the conversation. Sorry, this be. was this, yeah. this was during it wasn't with me <laughs> this was during a water cooler meeting and we were talking about this stuff uh, earlier this week. And somebody else at Oxide had said there was not a whole lot of... They said specifically, I think, it was like the iPhone was more niche on launch than it eventually became. was like more of the spirit of the claim. Like... It obviously sold out, people waited for it forever, but it was a very expensive phone and there weren't that many of them. Like it took a while for everyone to have iPhones and like people were a little like skeptical and stuff, but like that doesn't mean nobody cared or there wasn't a ton of attention. It was like, it couldn't do a whole ton and it was a lot of money, but you also weren't wrong and like people were switching to AT&T to get the iPhone. Like it was obviously a big thing
0: too. People, including Adam, I think, right? Adam, you were a very, a very early adopter. Yeah, I,
1: I mean, I, I mean, I think part of the, your your thinking is colored by how insufferable I was, how hyped I was that's for the iPhone. Uh, and then, like, I got it. No, I got that is what I'm thinking. I know, I know. Right when yeah. I was saying that everyone was insufferable
0: about it, I think you're right. I think it was just you. <laughs> that's right. I, th- I think you had so suffocated now the rest of humanity that I actually was I had. The, yes, yeah, that's fair.
3: Part of my argument for this uh is that they're gonna launch the vision pro at $3,500 and it is like a powerful enough computer on its own that like if you're already the kind of person who's buying a maxed out macbook like buying a vr headset like and including the maxed out macbook like it's not actually it is it it is expensive but like for what you get it is not absurdly expensive okay and i think there is a some class of early adopters who will be willing to plop down that much money until it will do okay but i still think that's like far too expensive for mass adoption to be a real thing
0: so steve may i encourage you to be because you had a very specific idea of an early demographic for this thing yeah yeah. i I think you should formally predict so we can get that one down
3: so, like a lot of a lot of predictions are colored by our experience, right? I spent a lot of the last ten years of my life on way too many airplanes and in way too many hotel rooms. And carrying around stuff when you travel a lot really sucks. Uh, and I think that like if you could have your amazing dual monitor set up or quad monitor, literally wall-sized monitor set up in a hotel room, like there there is a class of people who would be willing to like pay that much money, travel all the time, like. DevRel, for example, like those kinds of people, if your company's willing to push out that money. DevRel's kind of dead now, though. That's like a whole complicated separate thing. But like, just the point is, I think there will be like the traveling salesman who will be like, find it more comfortable to interact with a virtual screen than with a physical one. And I think the portability aspect will drive at least one category of like early adopter.
0: Um, so I think this prediction is great in that it is ludicrous. I, the, it is, I mean, if true, like amazing, I also get in my head, like, if you've seen ads from the 80s for like the Compaq or the K-Pro, Mike, do you remember these? Like the, with like the, the businessman lugging the Compaq, and I would just love for Apple to discover like, wow, this is the demographic, so we actually need. It is like the, the the traveling business person that we need to appeal to for this thing. And I just love, I would love the idea of like, what apps do they want? What it's like, it's all like, God, these are all like frequent flyer apps. Like what is going on with this thing? I, I think it will be great.
2: It's all like people trying to uh, scam free trips out of the airlines. Are <laughs> totally. the
1: right?
2: these guys who like travel around the world in the last day of the year going the wrong direction so they can potentially <laughs> get right. God, This get is like another app flyers.
0: helping me get, quintuple miles it's like what is this about yeah.
1: I'm, I'm imagining the alan alda ad for the as400 uh like this style of ad
0: that's yeah. exactly right yeah no I, the, you get the spirit of it um so that yeah the, you know, well, thank, a you know, great ad the
2: I, we can go make probably a plenty of ads with george plimpton and alan alda 1980s uh, <laughs> <a long laughs> the style
0: electronics now yeah. like what is I, I, yeah, what's to prevent that? I guess we can have uh, Alan Al can be we need to we need to go through the I guess well, I guess the the laws are to prevent it. that's, what, that's, what's um, <laughs> that's
1: right. that pesky thing again All
0: right. Those are some good uh, good one years. And again, if uh, folks are um uh, in the chat, definitely drop your predictions in and if you, you want to hop up on stage to to rattle some off, definitely raise your hand. But, um. Uh, so, Mike, do you um? What, are you ready to go into the three years? you ready to advance the dial a little bit? Uh, I am. Although Antrinig um, just raised
2: his hand. Oh I don't yeah, know sure. If you want to buy up. Start- yeah, um, this
0: is where. Here we go. Pernick, how uh, are
1: camera.
2: Is this even
0: working? It is working. It is, and I know it is early morning where you are.
5: Five thirty. How is everyone?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Doing well. Doing well.
5: Well, I have a weird prediction, but it's based on another prediction. Uh, Both of them are actually good towards the Oxide computer company. The first prediction that needs to happen is that many more companies are going to move away from the public cloud into a private cloud. That might mean, you know, Oxide computer racks or whatever that they're building in-house. But I think if that happens, my prediction is going to be that within six years, I quote alternative operating systems would make a very good comeback. Like, if someone wants to build a NAS, they're going to say, okay, let's use FreeBSD. If someone wants to build a the router, they're going to use OpenBSD. They want a software defined network, they're going to use Illumos with Crossbow. And like a lot of the alternative operating systems, you know, other Unixes other than Linux, uh, who seemed very niche or would become a lot more popular even in the enterprises for that specific reason. And everyone's going to be looking at Linux more of a public cloud uh, compute solution because on the, on, on the cloud, everything else is kind of solved according to them. So everything else on premise would be based on, on other niche operating systems. And I think the descendants of the operating systems from the 90s and the 2000s, who were kind of even more niche, these days will make a comeback for their own specific area. So some of them might be very good in computation. Some of them might be good to be a real-time operating system. And that, I think, might be more beneficial for, say, maybe software portability, but also, you know, more more diversity in the operating
0: system scene. And I it, love that prediction. Um, and if I may pile on on brand here um, with our, our theme this year, I actually think, I don't know if you've used Say chat Gpt or, Ch- or chat Gpt four for help on one of these systems, but they are re- it's remarkable. I don't know, have you done this yet? have you like I've used chat Gpt in, like uh, what do you mean help but so for example, like asking it like I was just kind of curious to and kind of also wanted to um to to take aspects of it out for a spin because I've been trying to use it a lot in the last couple of weeks, and like what are some example Illumos commands that have a parsable option hmm. and it gave me a great answer on a question that's like kind of hard to answer, honestly. You're kind of grappling through man pages. Hmm. You know? And it the and you ask it things on like I, you know, was asking it how to do some like kind of arcane stuff that it gave me really, really, really good answers on. So in trying, to, here's a question that I've got kind of back to you. And Mike, maybe I would direct this one to you as well because. I actually think, and I had, this is a three-year prediction, but I almost, I almost wonder if it's going to be a one-year prediction with the, the pace at which things are accelerating. It seems to me that retrieval augmented generation is a really big deal. And Mike, maybe that's just like a totally like ridiculously obvious thing to say. Um, but uh, RAG, retrieval augmented generation, which is, a, I think it has an idea that's a couple of years old, but it feels like that has that that has really reduced the level of hallucination of these things. Is that a, is that a fair Um,
2: I think, I think from my perspective it is. Yeah. I mean, it is, it reduces the level of hallucination and also it allows people to, um, people who are not ready to train their own models. It lets them upgrade the quality of the answers in a way that they can understand. So like swap in some higher quality documents in, maybe your elastic store or your vector store that's like populating the rag outputs. And now you can get better outputs, right? Like you can, right. you can upgrade the yeah. quality of the answers without um, like some zillion dollar training task that you don't know how to do anyway. So Ooh, that's So right. I think it's, okay. it's, it's, it's not only, you know, a good step, it's quite obtainable for a lot of people. So I, yeah, I, I agree. Um, It's, it's an idea that I think has been around in a kind of common sense way. You know um, I'm, I and probably a lot of other people wrote code a year ago that did something like that, but I only heard the phrase probably
0: six or eight months ago. And it's moving, all moving so fast. Yeah. Um, yeah so, I've had
5: a good luck with that.
0: Well, and so in training, this is where it kind of dovetails in with your prediction because I think that if you, when you've got these systems that have got good canonical documentation, you're giving something like really authoritative that can actually, I think, it, it, that you can use... Either with RAG or fine tuning. I mean, I think Mike, to kind of your point about like giving it some really good content for the these models. Um, and it feels. I mean, it,
1: it,
0: I was I was kind of blown away, honestly, about about the, the the quality of answers I was getting. Like way better. I mean, it's better than Stack Overflow. Forever. Is, is someone going to predict the death of Stack Overflow? By the way, can someone do that? Like, when do we?
2: <laughs> um That would have been a great prediction. Yeah, I regret not having that down. Actually, like it's so much
0: better.
3: There was a blog post. About so this, much like better. A couple weeks ago.
0: Yeah. It was a yeah. There was a blog post saying like, well, everyone's they, they, basically the demise of Stack Overflow has been greatly exaggerated. I'm like, that's just because people are not like actually using ChatGPT side by side with Stack Overflow. I mean, Stack Overflow is so bad. Sorry, Stack Overflow. I,
5: I I had the exact same scenario yesterday when I was like debugging the Linux compatibility layer code with dtrace on the Linux app, and everything I searched for gave me like, no, 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 you absolutely have a permission issue. Every Stack app Overflow article was like, of course it's a permission issue. And then I decided to give the socket documentation, the Unix socket documentation, to GPT four and gave it the D-trace output, and it's like, oh, it's an abstract socket. It starts with a zero, it's like, like it's it's an abstract socket. I'm like, oh my God, how did I even miss that? Wow, and, that's great. And that blew my mind. Because like, I, I obviously if I read the document properly, I would have find it myself probably as well if I was also reading the output of D-trace properly. But for a machine, And again, uh, GPT 3.5 was not able to do that. I don't know what do they do behind the scenes, but like GPT-4 is really on another level on that regard indeed.
0: So it really is on another level. And I would say that, and actually my eyes were open to that actually here on Oxide and Friends, Adam, when we were, um, I had put up, I can't even remember what it was, a PR for something. And someone in the chat posted what chat GPT-4 would do as a code review for my PR that I just created like that day. And it was like, damn, these comments are pretty good. Wow. Like, they're a, they're way better than than three point five. So there are a lot. I mean, it is these things are getting better really, really fast. Um, and trying and that is that's uh, an amazing anecdote. Um, that I it feels to me like that. With, the thing I love about that is, I I would love to be in a world where great documentation is really well rewarded because I think I'm one of the frustrations. Yeah. Well, because like, I think one of the frustrations that some of these smaller systems have is like, you know, it's like the stuff is really well documented. It's like, but they're not broadly used. So if you Google it, no, you're not going to get a stack overflow answer to this. But by the way, if you read the documentation, it would tell you, it's like, well, now you can actually automate that step of reading the docs. And the, uh, so, y- you know, it's like, that's a pretty interesting rule. So on that note, actually, Steve, I don't know if you've thought about this. I, but I also, Oh, yeah. I have
3: thought about this and I have tons of people who have said this to me. And yes, I'm very sad about it. The one, the docs, half of me will be automated out of a job before the programmer. No, no,
0: no, 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 job no. Job. No one True. wants to
3: read. No one wants to read the fucking docs.
0: No, no, the 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 machine does. The <laughs> robot does. It's here. okay.
3: Literally, <laughs> literally. Yeah. Okay, I invested years of my life into writing a book, 560 pages for the the first thing. You know where people statistically drop off reading the book? Chapter four. It's like 45 pages in. All those other <laughs> you pages, know like, who read like,
0: that book all the way to the end? Chapter I know you did. Oh,
3: damn it. <laughs> I
0: thought you were going to say you,
3: <laughs> but yeah, like, Oh, that's, that's no just way. like, I, thing, dropped off, and
0: like this is... I, I dropped off in chapter two. I think, no, 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 of course I know. I obviously your superlative book was, but the, I, I think that like the fact that you've got something that can be consumed. I mean, I think it's it's kind of interesting and surprising of a little bit that we've been saying, I agree, Steve, that you've been like, Oh, this is like, no one's going to write documentation anymore. Cause the, 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 bots can just figure it out. It's like, well, actually it's the documentation that allows them to figure it out. And the systems that are really well documented are ones that actually it's able to be very helpful with. And the ones that are not documented at all, like you're back in the kind of the, the, the mess. So the, the other thing I wonder, Steve, as long as we're on this hot topic, is the other thing I have found is that like its rust is really good and it's really well commented. getting into
3: my three-year prediction, actually? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, go for your three-year prediction. We're ready for three years. So what's your three-year prediction? All
3: right. So my three-year prediction is kind of a counter prediction to Elon, which I will paste into the the chat. Uh, Elon tweeted yesterday, done right, a compiler should be able to figure out types automatically. It's not that hard. Not that it will matter much in the AI future. And I have many feelings about this post.
0: Jesus
1: Christ. Are, are you sure this but, wasn't generated to troll you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, I
0: know. This um, is not going to be the CEO of Tesla or Twitter for very long, according to my one-year prediction from a year ago. So yeah,
3: exactly. But, like, I, I do think my three-year was going to be basically, like, I don't think that AI will kill type inference, but that's a little too glib, I think, obviously. But just, like, I do think that uh, more people use AI, but I don't think it's going to have impacts on programming language development yet. I think that we're a little far out from that actually happening, uh, right, which is kind of like related to what you're saying, which is basically like strongly typed languages are like really good for computers to figure out yes. stuff. And so therefore strongly yep. typed languages are going to be good for AI. And therefore we're going to see more and more and more movement towards strongly typed languages is like what I get uh, is what I think that you're going for there.
0: That's what I, so, you know, I, cause I think you've, you've heard me say this, that, that I have felt that rust shifts the cognitive load from when a system is running to when you're developing a system. And that's what makes it challenging, is that you are now having to solve a bunch of problems that you didn't have to think about because you could just kind of like deploy the code with this sign extension bug or this memory safety bug. And it was some other poor SAP that had to deal with this thing in production that would have to deal with it. And Rust kind of forces you to deal with that up front. And I think that's great. It creates this this big big gap for people and this kind of steep learning curve that you have done uh, a terrific amount to make that learning curve less steep. And I think that that the LLMs are gonna do terrifically well at these kinds of languages that are not sloppy in production, that are super rigorous, and they're putting that rigor up front. And I think you're gonna see, I'd go even further that you're gonna see not just is it gonna be great for Rust, but you're gonna see a renaissance of languages like F-star and some of these like much more esoteric formal languages because the, 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 the LLM can actually help you out a lot.
3: I think it's maybe I would say I agree with you, but maybe it's more subtle. And I'm just thinking this now, so it might be totally wrong. But like the danger is that the the LM tells you something that's incorrect, right? So I'll pick on Ruby because I love it. An LM could give me an answer about Ruby and like I don't know if that works or not. But like the Rust compiler, if it invents something from whole cloth, is gonna immediately slap me on the hands and be like, that's not real. And so I wonder if that's the like Dynamic well, and also, it can it go figure it
0: out. There. It can go compile it. It, it ChatGPT is like I mean, I mean, I don't know if you've had this kind of interaction. Like, it will go compile things.
3: I have not really significantly used LM, LMs yeah. for computing tasks yet. Um, to be
5: yeah. by, by the way, on the on the, on the languages side, uh, speaking of which, uh, Professor Wirth has passed away on January first, May. Yeah. rest his soul. Uh my, my friends had interest in, in Worthian languages. I mean they all, they've all heard of Pascal, but that's pretty much it. And they started discovering like modula two and Oberon, which is like unlike the C language families, it doesn't have like these brackets, and it all has like this begin and end. And and obviously GPT had no idea about the language, but it turns out the language report the whole language report of, of the Oberon programming language is 16 pages. Uh, so we just fed it to the language report pdf turns out you can upload a pdf i had no idea about that either and uh, you know seconds later oh there you go now gpt4 knows a whole new programming language because it read the ebnf description of the language and like right. that was also very impressive so now we are debugging our oberon compiler issues okay. with chat gpt for the first time <laughs>
0: Oh my God! Can you imagine, like, even a year in the past, being like, "No, no, no," the this is going to lead to an Oberon resurgence. You're like, is, a what, is what? this like, uh, is this like, like the Hoover? programming language
3: version of like Tupac performing after he's dead because they like made a computer resurrect <laughs> him? Is that like Nicholas Wirth has died and like 12 hours later,
0: an AI is like, actually, here, here it is. Here's all the stuff. But um, right, you yeah. got more Oberon written in the last like week that has probably been written in the last year. I mean, The last some, 20 it, years I've, got those. Yes. Yeah. Amazing.
4: So, I think that there's something very optimistic and fun about this idea that AI will cause this nostalgic resurgence of like programming language arcana that we all, Uh-oh. I think have an aesthetic draw to. But I think what might what? be really interesting about AI is like, I don't know why AI wouldn't optimize tools for itself. And I think the more interesting question, and this is because I'm horribly package manager pilled, is how can like different models share tools with each other? And I think that's when we start seeing really interesting tools. Because I think right now we've written a bunch of tools that are like vaguely okay for humans, but I think that what AI needs is gonna be pretty different. Like if we think about audiences and like, I don't think we're wrong that like types certainly make it a better tool for AI but there's probably aspects that make tools really optimized for AI that would make them almost unusable by humans. And I think ultimately that's the direction we're going.
0: All right. So Ashley, I love it. Can you, so let's get a, we got to get a one or a three or a six year prediction out of you on the, on, on that.
4: No. Right. I know Well, I, well, I've been trying to think a lot about like what happens to dev tools in the age of AI for a lot of anyone knows what I'm up to. That's very relevant to my, to my causes. Um, But there's this one thought that, like, once everybody has AI, like, do we need individual dev tools or not? Or can we just, like, use generalized or, like, Copilot and, like, will those own them? And so I think how we end up abstracting out the future dev tools we want to build will kind of, like, inform this. Um, But my suspicion is this is probably towards the three- or six-year end, but it depends on how quickly we teach AI to, like, talk to each other. And I know there's, like, kind of recombinant things where folks are having LLMs, like, check themselves with other models. And so if there's a way for them to, like, cache or save their own tools amongst each other, I think whenever that mechanism happens, it'll happen pretty quickly. Because we love little... building tools, why wouldn't they? I don't know. Yeah. Like, I know they're not, like, real people, but, I mean... Yeah, they're, they're not people.
0: people. I mean, that's, that's, that's the reason. But, yeah.
4: <laughs> they yeah, build, um, build tools, though. They're going to want to... Like, I think that will happen. They are just going to, like, generate things from first principles on every question.
0: (laughs) So in what kind of dev tools are you thinking specifically? I mean, because I I will confess that I naturally go to, like, the debugger as the kind of the quintessential developer tool, but that's not – I'm also the person that doesn't use syntax highlighting. So I'm, like, the wrong person to ask about this. I also
4: don't use syntax. Um, highlighting is that true? Am
0: I in a safe space? I had no exactly idea.
4: true. I use Vim with no syntax highlighting, mostly because what I didn't know how to turn it on um, I when I was writing it, and I just never figured it out. Um, <laughs> it's very sad. Well, uh, I mean, a lot of tools that we have, like uh, kind of like cache repeatable tasks, um, but I'm I'm sure, like if if we're able to create mechanisms by which LLMs can understand like the frequencies of tasks they need to do um, and or the frequencies of types of answers. Like I'm sure that there will be the desire for like abstractions to form. Um, the same way we like write shell scripts and then shell scripts turn into like package managers and things like that.
0: Mike, what do you think in terms of listening to Adas on all this? It's just like these these like infrastructure people. No, I think was no, like great. Them. I think
2: was great. The only thing I don't like about this is that it's slightly stepping on my three-year prediction. Um, but so nah, go, 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 please, so please, give us your three-year prediction. Of these, I, I think the 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 language issues that that Antre mentioned and that that the issues that Ashley just mentioned, I I think those are all very interesting and really cool. I, I would put this in in the the category of what I'm calling like um, software systems and LLM co-design. So artifacts yeah. and tools that are written for both humans and for LLM generation. I hadn't thought too much about languages. I guess if you had asked me, I would have said, yeah, languages will be there. But the, the areas that I had been thinking of um, more directly were logging and um, data provenance. So okay. in both those cases, you, in the, let's take the case of logging, the, unless you have Dtrace, you have to make some kind of decisions ahead of time about what you're gonna log. If you have Dtrace, then you might be logging stuff that um, you, know, you don't like, you either have to write the program yourself to actually understand the semantics of what's happening. You could imagine kind of systems for logging that come imbued with small amounts of documentation. Maybe the instrumentation point comes with like a snippet of the source code that surrounded the piece of log information that you're generating some like description of the semantics of the information so that it can be expanded by the LLM after the case. So some notion of logging that makes it easier to process by, for your AI machine downstream. Um, the other thing was data provenance, which we're pretty bad at. Like if you want to capture where did a particular record in a database come from or where was it generated? What were the, like, the license terms under which it was gathered? Um, we're bad at that inside one institution and cross institutions are really terrible at it. If you can lower yeah. the bar to that kind of data gathering, where maybe you just write down like in a, you know, a voice notes file, like where you found the data and so on. If you lower the, the cleanliness bar for data provenance, which right now either doesn't exist at all or is extremely high, like in the case of um, financial regulated industries and so on. If you were to lower that bar and make it, you know, just assume it's okay if the data is dirty, the downstream AI machine will parse it after the fact. Maybe you would actually get an environment of people like swapping more data provenance records back and forth. And that whole area, which has been kind of dying inside academia for a long time could actually become uh, a widespread part
0: of the infrastructure. And then so I'm like, how does the, I mean the the kind of the rigor necessary for data provenance, because you're now you're getting like, well, it's like, it's I, 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 this is lossy at some level, right? Um, Is that, but do we then, use kind of other techniques to basically check whether this it's, the, the AI is kind of giving us some, some directional information about provenance that we can then check more rigorously?
2: Yeah, I think, I think data provenance, unless it's like taint tracking, like unless it's within a single machine um, where you have an extremely kind of purely computational use of the provenance, it usually hits a human system at some point, right? You have some kind of, company policy or government regulation you're trying to uh, be in compliance with. And once you hit that, you know, my very crude, not technical statement is that any ambiguity around the the processing and so on can deal with whatever kind of semi-messy facts the system is giving you. And right now it gives you no facts at all. So like we have created a system in which for a tiny number of industries, the precision is close to 100%. But in the system overall, the recall is close to 0%. And we should have a, a more reasonable trade-off between those two. And if we can put up with some small amount of lack of accuracy or lack of completeness, then you can get a better trade-off.
0: That's really interesting. And so I have I, I kind of a follow-up question on that. Um, do, we, do you think that we will be using this for LLMs themselves that are about to have a real provenance issue? Um, to the degree that they don't already, uh, in terms of like, where did this data come from that was used to train the network? Do you think that that's going to be? Will this have an application for the design of LLMs themselves?
2: Uh, that's a little bit too snake eating the tail for my taste. Like, I don't know if if tracking, <laughs> like, if my you know if my self published novel made it into the LLM without someone's permission. I don't know if that's like the highest and best use of this whole provenance infrastructure. Um, <laughs> but yeah it's one possible use case one
4: it's, thing it's, i wanted to just quickly ask because i'm i'm just genuinely curious and don't know the answer in like software supply chain circles there's a lot of work being done from systems to like mathematical proofing for software provenance is there any overlap with like the work done on software provenance with data provenance because, I mean, the line between data and software, I guess, once we start talking about LLM, starts getting real blurry, I think, eventually.
2: I, I don't know the software provenance work well enough to, to make a strong statement about this, I'm afraid.
4: Fair enough. Well, maybe my prediction is those two things will collide. <laughs> yeah,
2: well, yeah, no. send, send me some links. I'd love to learn more about it.
4: Yeah,
0: totally. And, and, so, and then, so, Ashley, we got you down for, a was it a three-year prediction that dev tools will be revolutionized by LLMs? It sounds like. Is they Is that a fair... Highest level synopsis. I want to
4: say dev tools will be revolutionized by LLMs because I think so. I really believe in tools are really important and driven by their audience, and I think that LLMs will have their own tools. Like I don't think that LLMs are going to like go pick up Modula and like run with it, like in. They're in like the perfect world. I think that we will have audience-driven tools. And this means if we want to use LLMs as agents, like there will be tools that are specifically designed for them. And I think that many of those tools will overlap with like dev tools that we know and use today in functionality in some capacity, but have like potentially a radically different interface or like the weights of the interface would be really different because of how they're getting used and by who. If I can right. say, it. what's the right pronoun for <laughs> friggin' LLMs? I don't know. <laughs> it.
5: I also think there's going to be an interesting saturation in the market in the coming five to six years. Like, uh, people who can work without LLMs, basically reading man pages and documentation, will become the COBOL engineer of the industry. <laughs> uh, they'll be paid a lot of money because they can work without LLMs, and uh, the, I, I'm sure unless, unless language models can be, uh, performant enough or optimized to be run on a on on a self-hosted infrastructure, you know, you'll be running it on the cloud. And people who can work without LLMs due to, let's say, security issues or privacy issues, etc. Uh, or regulation by governments, that might also be a thing. They will be paid a lot more money. you will be like, oh, I can work with a software stack without using LLM. Okay, then you will be get paid a lot more because of some job requirement. I, I'm not sure about this, but I, I have a feeling because, you know, a lot of these Perl engineers, they're still around, and they do get paid a lot of money because of some legacy system. For sure, Python is more popular, but the Perl people are, are still around. So th- that might be something very interesting about the job market that, that would happen. Uh, so there's, they might be some kind of more saturation happening. Is saturation the right word? I'm not sure. Saturation yeah, happening. to anyone aspect.
0: early in their career, Entrenik is not recommending that you pick up Pearl. Uh, refuse to use ChatGPT. <laughs> be be very careful about how you you, you take this prediction into your own career management. <laughs> Um, but yeah, interesting. I mean, I, I kind of feel that it's going to become more like a search. It's going to become like a search engine. Like, I mean, you can, I mean, Adam, I am embarrassed about the degree to which, I mean, I just use a search engine as part of writing code very frequently. Um, and you're embarrassed embarrassed by that. that.
1: Should I not be embarrassed by that? I I mean, embarrassed. I'm not embarrassed. I'm just like, no, no, no. I mean, so much so that like, I, I mean, even a few years ago um I was at a company where they uh, folks were being asked to write code as part of an mm. interview process and i think sort of some some people like docking well, people saying oh well they had to look it up they had to search for things it's like well of course they did you'd expect them to like digest the entire you know, whatever language manual of every library, every created and memorize it. No, like a search engine is part of it. And you remember
0: like doing writing code with the motif manuals, literally physically on your lap. (laughs) So it's absolutely, yeah, I shouldn't be embarrassed. Like you've been like, dude, you've been writing code this way
1: all along. Just like, don't, don't, don't give your past self. Right. right. You just didn't, you just don't have like a book next to you uh, to to make you feel like, I don't know, it's somehow more, more literate or more academic. Um, Did we get to your three year Adam? I don't think we did. Did we? Okay. Do, no, do it. no, and I feel like such a bucket of cold water on this one because it has nothing to do with ChatGPT or LLMs or Not AI yet. or anything. You saw what I did today. It, to it has to do <laughs> with <laughs> mm. Okay. Well, good. I, I'm I'm looking forward to see how you spin this one. I have become a little bit obsessed with Hawk Tan, the CEO of Broadcom. You, you, you uh, use this we, word obsessed. Okay. Are you this this is the most improbable? Yeah, I'm not bleeping it
2: And we're only on January
1: 8th. There we we go. Uh, because he is such a killer, killer. and uh, and you know, apparently, has had some all hands at VMware where basically the theme was if I had anything to learn from you people, then uh, I wouldn't have been able to buy you. Um, I'm paraphrasing, Uh, but uh, Uh, I also appreciate the candor. No, not by much, not by much. So, um, you know, VMware is, and one of the points he made was, uh, you know, Broadcom is twenty-one thousand employees and uh, with some revenue, and VMware was thirty-eight thousand employees with less revenue. So, my prediction is simply that uh, he makes massive cuts to VMware, but uh, in three years. The 38,000 goes down to 21,000. That is to say VMware in three years is the size of Broadcom uh, prior to the VMware acquisition. And I believe that
0: this was an answer to the question how he was going to preserve VMware culture. I believe that he performed this math for people. <laughs> it was my understanding. That's, that's right. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, you, you and I, have, you, I think we have independent, we have, we have different moles, I It think. wasn't an all hands, but, um, but yeah, we're talking about the same all hands.
0: hands. So it's like it's not exactly a state secret when you do the yeah. same at all hands. No, exactly. Um, and so, the, well, okay, so with, do you, are we going to start to see cuts that? I mean, just to, just to defy you, that I actually can take any prediction and rephrase it in terms of LLMs. Are we going to see cuts that are like, <laughs> hey, you know what? We can actually, I, a large language model can do what I don't know, a thousand of you do. Um. That, it, like
1: obviously, oh yeah, I'm sure, but sure, fine. But also with the large language model turned <laughs> off, I think is going to be the implication. Ouch. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, that's dark. <laughs> that's dark. Um Yeah. Sorry. I don't know. I I sorry to be so dark on this one. I just I it is it is such a fascinating takeover, and uh, Huck Tan is is kind of a fascinating he is a fascinating All right. So I've got a a three year prediction
0: that um I think is is maybe is not dark, but maybe a bit more mundane. I actually think that the uh, one of the great ramifications of even generative AI is going to be to totally revolutionize search, and we will not recognize search three years from now. That three years from now, if you were to tell someone to go back into a time machine and use search from January of 2024, it would just feel otherworldly. It would feel like you are mm. in the Google era going back to the HotBot era, or you are in the That it it. it is that, um, there's just a real sea change coming because when I use, um, I mean the answers I get out of chat GPT, when I want to go, when I want to go, sir, I now like when you just searching for like super mundane things, it's like you get so much junk that comes along with it. And it's like, there's all this garbage here that I don't want. It's not even a good answer to my question. And uh, even when it is a good answer to my question, like I actually didn't want 10 answers. I actually just wanted one answer. And, uh, so, so if you could actually yeah. just give me one answer, like that would be awesome. By the way, if you could also search all of this massive, I mean, to me, like it is, and I would love to be wrong on this. So if someone please tell me if I'm wrong. I love podcasts. It is like impossible to search podcasts. Like I want to, I've got a super simple query. Like I, Adam, you know, we did our podcast on the MI 300 I would like to listen mm-hmm. to every podcast that's discussing the MI300. I think it'd be interesting. I think there'd be like overlap. I would just, I want to hear what they have to say about it. I think it's an interesting part. And it feels like that should be
1: a very, like, why can't I, I phrase that query? And, you know, yeah. right now. This is a great prediction, Brian. I, I think, like, just as a time capsule for us three years from now, searching the web today, you, you know, you, you click, you search, you, you scroll past several sponsored links. You scroll past some more ads. You go down and investigate a few things. A bat, pop back and forth, but you're imagining, I, I think, sort of almost a, a back a renaissance to back when uh, you know you could click. Yes. I'm feeling lucky and come up with something useful yes. in Google. That's exactly
0: what it is. Where so,
1: and where and you just would
0: never search the internet. The, the way we do it today is just going to look foreign. In three years. It just,
2: so, so and, and, yeah, Brian, and everyone else. So like if you could get the latency from chat GPT that you get from Google, what fraction of your Google search traffic would go right now to
0: chat GPT? So I will tell you that the quality is so much higher that I have directed more and more to it. Um, and because uh-huh. the, um, I also have found this chat GPT four too. So the latency is higher. So, um, but I have found, I mean, so Adam, this is like a, uh, like a silly thing, but i want you and i both play ultimate and in ultimate a mm-hmm. a dive is called a layout what is the past tense of layout is it, it mm, like laid out versus yeah, laid right, out exactly it? the um i just want to know when in particular like how to spell that and i want i i don't know and that's the kind of question that now i just like actually ask chachi chachi before gave me a great answer and yeah. The, huh. um, I think that Google would have given me the same answer, but it would have taken longer because I'd to sift through junk. And I actually.
1: Okay. So I, the. the, the Partly par, on this though, Brian. So are you willing to pay for that? And yes. or yeah, yep. uh, are you willing to scroll through ads? So, so
0: I am paying for it. And what are the 20 bucks a month for um, for uh, ChatGPT4? I, I, I am paying. And I, I think, and I think it's worth it. Nice. So yeah, I think it's like, wow, and maybe nice. that's maybe that's a great problem. Maybe that's the prediction. Is that like actually, I've kind of done the math, and like a lot of people, it's like I, I you got I mean in OpenAI you've got you know one of the most successful product launches in history from a revenue perspective, and it's like yeah people are willing to pay to actually
1: get a, an actual quick answer to their question. Um, okay. okay, Brian, feel free to plead the fifth. But other than streaming services, are there other I'll call it software products that you pay (laughs) 20 bucks a month
0: for.
1: Oh, I no seriously.
0: Right. No, not really. I mean, in terms of like, yeah, like I'm not a, I mean, you, I I think, I, I think I understand that you're not office
1: 365 or whatever. Yeah. the cost of
0: your question, which is like the fact that I'm actually paying for this is a, yeah, it's a, it's it's a big deal. And you know what? I kind of went back and I, I would part of why I rationalized it. And I should say also that like, I view it as a professional expense, Um, so it's like, I, and I would, uh, I think I certainly told anyone that's asked, but, uh, certainly at Oxide, it's like, yeah, you should expense the, the, the 20 bucks a month because it's like, you expense your laptop, you expense your monitor, you're using it professionally. It's like, for sure you should do that. Um, and, uh, it is definitely, it's, it's worth it. Um, and I, I think that, you know, I go back and think about how much software used to cost. Um, and I w- read a great piece on the on uh, someone retelling working at Walden Software. I worked at Walden Software back in the day. This is a mall software store. Um, Mike, you would love this. It's such a great like time capsule and uh, of this kind of like '90s software or zeitgeist of like software, et cetera, oh, yeah. and Babbages and and you know I you know I I worked at the Babbages and then went to work with Walden Software and the you know the compiler was four hundred bucks and. You know, you couldn't do anything without paying. And that's 400 bucks in like 1991. Um, that's a lot of money today. And I am willing to pay for things that I think really change. Like, And I think it's changed my quality of life. So yeah, I'm willing to pay for it, Adam. And maybe that is the part is that people are going to be willing to pay for it. And maybe our kind of social contract with search is going to change. If not oh, like that. Interesting.
3: I think that's super interesting and good, but I may have to go, and I want to give my spicy six-year presentation. You have the uh, spicy six-year. Yeah. OK, it's kind of a two-parter. Uh, the first one is is that uh, C++ will be considered a legacy programming language, and that C will see a small resurgence but will still not return to its older glory days. Um, this is based on the fact that the challenge that's coming to the C++ community uh, and the C community both from the us government and the eu uh i in the in the spirit of being bold about predictions and things i may not fully agree with i think that the committee is not raising to the challenge and i think that it's going to go very badly for them um and i hope that's not necessarily exactly the truth but it appears to be the truth in everything i've seen so far and i don't see any indication that the train is turning around anytime soon um so that's I, that's my big those point.
0: do not feel spicy to me those feel like the, 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 the,
3: the <laughs> i was braced
0: for much spicier so uh i feel but, like but yeah, those good. i
3: feel like it's a little like that's a big deal that's like a very big change so
0: it's, it's
1: a big deal and and we're definitely inside the, the 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 echo oh, yeah, chamber okay. here. yeah I, but i i, I, I have a blog a post production. i'm
3: working on but like when the u.s government literally says like we are going to make uh, the Department of Defense come up with a plan for transitioning away from memory safety languages and they asked the public for uh, comments. There were like 180 organizations that responded and all of them were either, yes, this is good and we need to do it now. Yes, this is good, but we should be really careful about allowing legacy things to continue. And then the one single, no, you're wrong, this <laughs> is totally fine and everything is great came from the C++ or part of the C++ committee. And so,
1: yeah, like, and and not particularly right. compelling, and also like well.
3: pretty poorly written, and all those other things. And so, like, it's not that I necessarily like. I just, I just don't see that the way in which they're responding to this complete crisis is just not adequate to me. And I think that they're gonna get run over by legislation.
0: So. And I'm gonna go ahead, just again, be very on brand. I think LLMs are gonna be viewed as an accelerant in that regard. I think that <laughs> no, I think that. <laughs> I know, Adam, you're back. Do you remember when you said I was being in software about the iPhone launch? Like, do you remember that? Do you remember like, <laughs> I feel like I was very recently <laughs> talking about that. Like, do you, do you hear yourself right now? Okay, but no, but hear me out. Because I think that part of what, I, I think that uh, LLMs are, because I also use it to debug. I, try, I had a problem though, that I was trying to debug. And um, you went kind of back and forth with ChatGPT to debug it. And it was interesting. Um, ultimately, it did not really help me debug it. Um, but it gave me some things to get, you know, it was thought provoking. And I think that they are going to remain bad at debugging memory safety issues. Like, I don't think, I think it's that, and I'll go ahead. I would even. <laughs> just to be clear, everyone's bad at it. Yeah, and I, everyone's bad at it. And I think it's such emergent behavior that I think you're, you're going to be really yeah. hard pressed to, I almost want to make this like a six year prediction that you will not be able to upload a core dump to chat GPT and to have it reasonably, I mean, obviously there can be some core dumps, a core dump that could be quickly analyzed by a human. But I think if you have memory corruption where it's like you've been clearly corrupted by the adjacent buffer mm. and someone who's used this buffer that's like a 12-byte thing that has been plowed and we've got, you know, Adam, the kinds of things that we have seen that that are that long, long tail of memory safety issues, I don't think it's going to be, it's not very useful.
1: And it's very interesting because i think the they tend to, the the thing they have in common is their divergence right whereas other problems may be kind of more convergent if you see symptoms of a certain kind there may yes. be uh, steps right. that you take uh, that 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 sort of correlate whereas the symptoms you see with the kinds of problems that you're describing are literally anything literally anything and everything
0: and, everything. So, and i think the, so i i don't think they're going to be very much use on debugging those kinds of problems. So it's going to drive you more towards these things like Rust that it can get right out of the shoot.
5: So I oh, want, I, I want to give one story and one prediction. The story is that when we were doing organizing the CTF last month, end of the year, we, we, one of the challenges was kind of a copy pasta of another already existing challenge with a little bit of difference. And people tried to ask ChatGPT about the challenge and to calculate the end result of, of whatever what the input was. And it gave them a flag for the CTF. But the flag was not correct. Instead, it was a flag from a blog post that it has read about, uh, learned, learned from. So that was a yeah. very, very weird uh, thing that happened. And so that's one. Uh, no, but but my, my actual prediction is that because of... Um, how mainstream these Mac computers are becoming, thanks to Apple Silicon and LLMs being text-based, I think that um, command line is going to have some kind of uh, bump. Based. How, what do you call a bump to up? Is that a yeah, bump great or is addiction. that... Yes. A push, you know, because yes. you, want, you want to yeah. Google, or in this case, LLM, how to convert a MP4 to a, I don't know, an OGV. And if it's a GUI application, the interface might change three times a year. Thank you, Adobe. Yeah. But but otherwise, it can tell you, oh, okay, download FFMPG. This is the command. You're done. This command hasn't been changed for 20 years. will stay the same. So I think that might be a very good... Uh, uh, you know, surge happening in the next, I, th- I think, close to six years that people will, are going to be like, oh, okay, so the command line makes more sense with these text interfaces these days. So
0: rather the, than the command line I, don't,
2: um, I, I don't know if that's going to happen, but I would love it if it does. That, that's a thrilling <laughs> prediction for me, personally. That would be great. Like, can I get, so a, Mike, can I get do... a text-only mobile phone? Can I get, like, a smartphone uh, that's, that is, oh, is, like, a BT100 yeah. smartphone? That would you be phenomenal. Bet.
0: Like, do you have a? Do you have some six years? I think we, we got oh, your three years. Year. I think we're we're on to six. Okay, right? okay.
2: So six year on the on the technical side, I don't know if the, maybe maybe like the the text only I, iPhone. This is hopeful rather than actually predictive. Um, I think like visualization dashboards as a way of integrating different sources of information on on you know mainly data center style or software style systems, but not only. That, that is going to disappear as the primary way of integrating kind of complex signals from complex systems. Instead, like a lot of the stuff we've been doing on, say, causal reasoning or um, conversational predictive style stuff, which will use LLMs, but it won't be viewed primarily as a chat GPT style application. Like we're finally going to get higher level methods for integrating conflicting evidence from some kind of complex system. The, the era of like, you know, as many visualizations as your retinas can handle, I I hope and think is finally coming to a close.
0: Really interesting. So, and then you will be, the emphasis when you're developing these systems will not be in developing these things for the eyeballs, these dashboards for the eyeballs, but getting the data sources into something that can actually reason about them.
2: Yeah. So, so I think like presidential daily briefing for everything. So, you know, the, the headline you know, two page document that might include a visualization if, um, you're the kind of president who wants to see one. Um, but you know, it has makes like decisions about what's important, what is both unusual and amenable to intervention, not just unusual, uh, like outlier detection style stuff. I, I think, I think the, the intellectual machinery is, is finally there to build it. And you, the, the dashboards have not been a total success. Um, like they they don't scale well to kind of the kind of surrounding information that you can now get through LLM. So like in principle, I could understand my system better if you gave me like source code to a program I didn't have source code before, or documentation to something I didn't have documentation to before. And yet anything based on visualizations and so on does not get instantly better the moment you hand that, you put that in my hands, but some other mechanism for reasoning about you know, maybe causes, maybe this kind of briefing or conversational style interface, those could be improved by those resources. And then finally, you know, the, the dashboards just leave too much kind of underexploited, too many problems that never get actually diagnosed in time before they disappear. So I'm, I'm hoping for some higher level abstraction, something better.
0: Yeah, that, that's a, that's a great prediction. Um, and that, it, uh, that's a great prediction. So the death of dashboards, too.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it really interesting. I, I think Brian, one of the points you've made over the years is how literally we have evolved to be able to see patterns in in data, uh, and yet uh, there are lots of patterns that evade our detection or that just aren't well displayed, you know, by the visualization that we, we happen to choose. So a neat prediction that we move away from that um, to see if like these automated systems become better at understanding the data than than when I I I also feel that like so much
0: of the trick has been like, what do you visualize and how do you, and like, that's been the thing that's hard and, um, having something also that can assist on that. It's like, actually I found something, I think it's interesting to visualize this, or here's an interesting way. In other words, not the death of total visualization, Mike, maybe that's what you're predicting, but that the, um, where the causal reasoning is actually helping to steer you to something that, that, that merits visualization. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. I mean, we'll still have plots like they're, they aren't going to disappear, but, but I think the age of like the solution for a lot of, um, diagnosis problems being yet another plot or staring at multiple plots simultaneously to infer something else, uh, the, the scope of it is going to go way down. We're going to need, we're going to use machines to mower that workforce. So speaking
1: yeah, there was, a, there was a time when I think the, the the top chess players were humans and computers kind of collaborating. Yeah, 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 so yeah. maybe more in that vein. I was going to just going to dovetail into one of your
0: predictions that uh, speaking of mm-hmm. plotting, I do think that uh, ChatGPT4 will lead to a resurgence of GNU plot. It's actually not one of my written down ones, but I would like to say that no one has got any excuse for not actually doing GNU plot for everything because it's like you can have it. Everyone always complains about how GNU plot is unapproachable and it's like you can actually just have GPT write it for you. It does a marvelous job. That works, and, that works great. Uh, yeah, I
5: was yeah, going to that. ask if if you think that D-Trace will become 3D if Apple ported Instruments to Vision OS. <laughs> <laughs> well, I. That's a yeah. Good I question. mean, I
1: think
0: it's so. Yeah, I mean, I think it is interesting because I, I I think that it will be. Um, I, I think it's going to be a great tool for debugging systems, but I think it's not in the way. I, I don't think it's going to fully close the loop. I think it's going to be the humans going to be very much in the loop, but but we will
1: see. Um. So I've got a couple of six years, Adam. Um, okay, you you get one, and then I'm going to jump in there because uh, I, I I keep on coming up with these downer predictions. Do
0: you, do you have a downer six year? Do you want to do? do we do the downer six
1: year? Uh, no, you you. Uh, okay, medium so gonna, downer, uh, medium born from a place of downerism. I'm born from a place of downerism. <laughs> All right, so I got. We're gonna
0: get we're gonna get weird here on some of these. So. Uh, This is going to be a ridiculous parlay here, but the, so we, we record every meeting at Oxide, Adam, and I know this is idiosyncratic and most companies don't do this, but they should, because it is incredibly powerful to have every meeting recorded.
1: And I think, you know, you know, Brian, I just have to interject because I've been reading this history of Watergate and I would say that Nixon felt exactly the same way you did. Please. Um, Do you know the story? Is this from like
2: Bridgewater? Is it did you get this idea from that hedge fund?
0: Uh no. Oh <laughs> God. Ray Dalio in the worst titled book of all time, namely Principles. It's like the word principles does not mean what you think it means. Um this is like this book should be titled Aphorisms. Um or or um <laughs> the no. no, 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 we did that a little bit accidentally. Um and started do I mean it actually so It came a a consequence of a couple things. Um, One was we got some very good advice very early on, and I feel I can safely attribute it to him to Jeff Rothschild, who was uh, founder of Veritas very early at Facebook. And one of the pieces of advice that he gave us is when we we had zero hires, when we not uh, we really still fundraising. He's like, make sure that every meeting is open to everybody. Um, and I mean, you obviously have personnel meetings that, you know, you've got meetings where you, you that, that can't be true for absolutely everything, but basically make sure that every meeting is open to everybody and everybody knows that every meeting is open to everybody because you will, uh, the fear that people have that decisions are being made without them knowing why, you can actually, uh, you won't allow that fear to grow if you know that all meetings are open to everybody because then people don't have to go to meetings because they they know that they could. And I thought it was a really interesting point. And then when we the pandemic happened very early on in Oxide's history in March 2020, and all the meetings were online, and then we just started hitting the record button. And Google actually, in one of the rare great integrations across Google properties, God only knows how this happened because it's so out of character for Google. Mike, I don't know if you know this, but when you record a Google Meet, the recording is attached to the calendar invite of the meeting. So You can go back to a meeting. I have no idea. Yeah. So there have been an, I'm sure you've done this too, because I know I've done this like a lot. Or been like, oh, that meeting. I remember it was hot and we were, uh, it was like, it was during like the fires. That's what I remember. It's like, okay, that meeting was in like (laughs) September of 2020. And so I start going through the weeks. I'm like, oh, there it is. And I can go, go to the recording. And it's remarkable. Um, It has been, um, really, really effective um where you have something that's important in a meeting that you miss, you can go back and listen to the recording, get all the context. It we could so my six-year prediction is that um, and again this is just outlandish, we can go look back on this and laugh, that I could be so ridiculous. But I think if you were to combine that, namely remote work with recording all meetings, with much better uh, information processing, LLM processing of the of these meetings. You could get total organizational visibility and you can eliminate, you can com- completely revolutionize, to put it euphemistically, middle management. And because so much of management is communication. And if you can actually say, here's exactly what's happening in an organization, um, and you can do it concrete. Like, there, I mean, Adam, like, don't you think you'd want this today? I feel like even at oxide size, which is so, way smaller. So- then, you know, we are, you know, yeah. whatever, 60 people, 62 people. I feel like it would be super useful that to be able to, I feel like something say, hey, by the way, do you know that, like the same idea is being talked about in two different meetings slightly differently, mm-hmm. which I'm sure is already happening today.
1: And yeah, you, you, this maybe to, to Mike's point, you get this sort of daily yes. briefing of like, or weekly briefing of these are the meetings that you didn't attend, or these are meetings that you attended and you care about. And you've told me you care about but also there are similar topics being discussed elsewhere in the company and you should, you folks should, you know, figure it out. I mean, how
0: often do you have like, Oh, Hey, I mean, how much of the function of like good management is like, Oh, you know, you mentioned this thing that's like interesting to you. You should know that like, actually Bob has got this idea. That's also interesting that, that Bob was talking about without us and you, the three of you should get together because you've got some like shared ideas about this, you know, it's like, yeah, it, everyone yeah, he, kind of always goes to like the, oh, you should get together and like duke it out. Well, it's actually like, no, no, you actually, the three of you are actually interested in this problem, but you're taking it from a very different approach and you should work together. So
1: this is it, yeah.
2: it's a cool uh, idea. I, yeah, it's a, I think it's a great, great prediction.
1: So how do you think, how do we, how do we know if we got there? Like, yeah, what's so your I, what? How do we adjudicate? Right, how do we this? adjudicate? That was all important. So, um, I, well, I think first of all, right. I think
0: this one will be easy to adjudicate because I think the likelihood that we look back on this and just laugh hysterically <laughs> is <least> awfully high, <laughs> and I think that it'd be like, I would like to see you uh, adjudicate. This. So, no, I think that this will be, but I think that there will be uh, companies that are successfully experimenting with this, just like there are got companies with remote work that are and. May, may, you know what? I'll I'll, I'll, I'll go this way. And I understand. I, I see what you're doing here. And that's fine. I'll take it. I'll do it. I'll, I'll take the bait. I'll chomp <laughs> down this bait. I think that this new management approach has a name. It is like surround management or surround, or it's got an organ, like, like holacracy, right? A holacracy got its own name. It, this <laughs> thing has, it, this has got enough oomph to it. At, it's got a name, it's got maybe a book on it. it's got a it's like the Netflix-
1: oh, got it. so like in in the style of Jack Welch winning, oh, right. there is a management book articulating a style of management driven by an almost a, defined by an absence of management with uh with communication driven through yeah, that's automation. right.
0: That's right. And, and uh, whether you call that an absence of manager, okay. but where you get this kind of like the, and I, I Mike, I love the way you described it as the presidential daily brief. It's kind of like every one of the companies getting a, a presidential daily brief. And I would say these companies are smaller that the, 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 the kind of the, the flip side of it is people are able to work more efficiently and you've got less duplication of effort. And this is just like, I'm now we're just kind of in fantasy land, but, um, Listen, and, I, I think
2: if there are any if there are any budding VCs in the audience, they want to they want to like have their <laughs> new angle where you know it's not the minimum viable product anymore. Now we're all about like the the, the holocratic organization. What's the term?
0: The the well, holocracy the, or the, does exist.
2: You want a new term for this? Which can is going
0: to be a new term?
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I think this e- is, and it's it's not going the, the presidential daily startup. The it's going to be hard to implement an existing company, but if you want to start your own presidential daily startup, then like it won't take more than a I don't know a couple months hacking together some tools. The company's ready to go.
0: So Just, the, this is dad uh, do a,
2: a very small fundraising round, and you're ready to, to go spark, start a whole new round of companies. It's going to be great.
0: this is omniscient management. I agree with that. It, this, this is like. A, <laughs> uh, um, I like the omniscience as part of it. I think that's exactly what it is. It it, it, it is, this is democratized omniscience and brought to you by an LLM. Also, I write the book and then I'm, no, 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 I'm not. um, All right. So you could, but Adam, you're going to bring us right down here.
1: Okay. Well, uh, not all the way down, but uh, so uh, one up and one down one, one. uh, So I have also become obsessed with TSMC. Have you listened to yes. the Acquired oh, so episode good. on TSMC? Yeah. It's a little bit. Old. It's so good. I mean, Acquired is great, but uh, the one on TSMC is. Mike, do you amazing. listen to Acquired at all? You would. No, I don't. But it sounds like I should.
0: acquired is really
1: good and the
0: acquired on tsmc is especially good the ones on nvidia are also are good they got a little bit uh a little bit heavy towards the end they love nvidia which is great um but i actually think the tsmc one is better
1: so you know i think it's a it's a really
0: yeah adam tsmc is a remarkable company okay yeah
1: tsmc great so i was trying to think of what's my what's my tsmc prediction then i started noodling on you know, some, something you said the other day, Brian, about the demise of Intel. And like, I, you know, I think Intel's really lost its oh, way, I mean, to put it mildly. Intel's but, you know, but it's oxide, also to say for the record, know, which is like, so Intel, you, sorry, go ahead, Adam. Oh, I can trim <laughs> yes. this out, Tori. Um. So as, l- l- take two, Intel is great, as we know. Um, so my six-year prediction is that less than 50% of the server market by dollars is x86 that is to say of like chip sales.
0: Okay, yeah, interesting. And where where where's the balance going to?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Good question. Let's say arm, let's say uh you know, I mean maybe it's maybe it's too maybe it's already tautologically true with like if you say if you throw GPUs yeah. into the mix. Um but that uh y- you know, it's it, as Intel Kind of tries to to promote its foundry and its fab and that kind of stuff. That there's lots of non x86 being built for the server. So
0: I I think it's a great prediction. Um, I actually wanted to make a prediction. um, I was going back and because we we actually had a similar six-year prediction last year, where we were talking about heterogeneous cores on a package. And I would I so I'm going to sharpen that a little bit, and I am going to say that that the this APU model. Where you've got a an accelerated chiplet sitting alongside a general purpose chiplet is the only way that you buy CPUs. That that all CPUs yeah. come with some number of cheap, what we used to call GPU chiplets. And the disjoint GPU the, looks like the disjoint floating point processor, the disjoint FPU of, of mm. our
1: uh, distant youth. Um, and you know I was going to bring this up you actually you actually made a you didn't make a prediction I'm last say, year but yeah. you had something very prescient last year where yeah you you had said that uh accelerated compute was going on die and I, as I listened to that I was like that is you nailed it. I mean, that might've already been true. I mean, I guess, I guess Grace Hopper was probably close to there, but I I thought it was, Um, I was cheating
0: also because of we, I, we knew about the MI 300A was coming. So I, I (laughs) so (laughs) I definitely was cheating, but I also do think that it is like, that is the right model where you have, um, because I think this is going to be so ubiquitous and uh, so important for so many different things that you're just going to not ever buy a CPU. And I think it's going to complicate the SKU stack, by the way, the SKU stack is going to be a big mess about like what is the balance between hmm. your GPU elements and your CPU elements but like that is the way you're going to consume
1: um, <laughs> yeah I mean it's already complicated like if you're buying a new MacBook it's like how how many GPUs and how many cores yeah. do I need and how much memory and what's the balance of all this stuff and what am I paying for And it's gonna get way more complicated so yeah that is so I have
0: oh, a good yeah. section prediction why do you think that's gonna you know it was funny because I was going to use that prediction to also predict the demise of Intel. I, um, Intel, a, a cherished investor in Oxide. But I do think that like one thing that Intel's really going to need to figure out is what the GPGPU story is. I think AMD is like AMD is really interesting. We yeah. talked about it in the MI300 episode, but really, really interesting regard.
1: Well, I was feeling bad about it because it, right before uh, the show started in chat, folks were like, yeah, everyone knows ARM in the server market is dead, right? And, and lots of people were piling <laughs> oh, to that. So ridiculous. I thought, oh, geez, like... Yeah, whoops! So much for that. But you know what? Arm naysayers, I say in 2030, more than half of the the market is or risk armed. five, or risk or five, yeah, or risk five, or or something else. Um. So you were. Uh, what else do you have for six uh, yeah, I've years? Yeah, I got friend. a couple
0: other. Yeah, Mike, do you have any other six years? I've got a. I've got a couple of other. Uh, no, let's hear them. Go ahead. Z- zany six years. All right, so this is also again we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna look back on this year and 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 laugh as the year that I really lost it. Um. I have been just really thinking about other um the other kind of people intensive industries that I think are going to be revolutionized not because there're going to be fewer people in them but because they're going to be able to work more effectively. So I'm gonna, another ludicrous prediction um I think that the and I should say this came out of a very interesting talk I saw give, uh, given by Sal Khan of Khan Academy um talking about the possibilities to use LOMs Um, for tutoring. And I think it's really, really interesting. And so I I think that uh, generative AI is going to revolutionize uh, K-8 education. And in particular, it is going to allow teachers to uh, actually engage with some of the students that have been actually left behind um, or are being left behind today. Um, and I think, cause I think that the, and you know, Adam, I, I saw this with, uh, my own, uh, my own kids during the pandemic, uh, in particular, what the, one of my children really, uh, had a great relationship with a tutor and, uh, the pandemic really disrupted his own education in that regard. And it was really, I mean, the, the and I, just the idea of giving everybody someone who's really invested in their education and is going to like really help them. Explain a concept to them, or really work with them on a concept until they really understand it. um And I think you know we've been really focusing on on ChatGPT to like cheat and stuff like that. And I actually think that there's something way more interesting where it's like it can actually help you learn. <laughs> um, and I look again at the quality of of Rust that I get out of ChatGPT and how well commented it is, and it's like it's. I think there's, there's some real opportunity to, and you can like, you know, being able to ask a follow-up question of like, I don't understand this or help me understand. And I also think you got this idea of like, you know, a, a kid that doesn't want to tell a teacher they don't understand it is willing to tell a computer they don't understand it. Um, and the the fact that it's not an actual person that's going to judge them is going to actually help them because uh, help, help them yeah. learn, which is, which really should be the objective.
1: Yeah. I, I, I think it's a great prediction uh, and I'd love to see it. And I I think on the other side of it, it, to your point, it may help educators focus on students where, you know, if they've got 30 kids in a class, there's only so much attention that they can give to each one and let them focus their time on the students who need, uh, you know, their experience specifically. Whereas many many of the kids may be able to benefit from this uh, AI overlord teacher um, but they'd be able to focus on the folks who are struggling with that. I think yeah, and I approach. think it
0: can also help the teachers too in terms of their approach, you know? I mean, do you, if you do you ask GPT yeah. parenting advice? Have you done that at all, Adam? Um, Gives a
1: really no, good I gotta, I, I gotta pay for this subscription
0: because it gives like, of course it gives good parenting advice because it's distilled everything. That's, you know, the stuff that's written on the internet. is not like, you know, push your kids into traffic. It's like all good advice that people just don't take. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah. so I think that there's a lot of wisdom out there. And I think that it can also allow teachers to kind of t- tap some of that wisdom as well. If you want um, like
2: the norm core answer to any question, it's great. Right. Yes, when that's you're learning like eighth grade history, the norm core answer is in fact very helpful. Um, yeah. And
0: when you're parenting, by the way, the norm core answer is very helpful. Yeah. If, if, you're, if your goal is yeah. to
2: not be innovative, but to like just get, just not be a, a total screw up at something, maybe even be higher than that, um, which you know, honestly <laughs> is most of life, right? Then the answers are very, very useful.
0: Well, so it was interesting. So uh, my mom is a school psychologist and you both know my mom. Um, And I was talking with her over the holiday about this. And I was like, let's take it for a test drive. And she was, she was like, okay, so what Um, I've got my my 13 year old wants to go to a co-ed slumber party. What, how, what should my approach be? And ChatGPT, ChatGPT 4 gave a a an answer that was, my mom was like, yep, this is exactly the right, like asking all the right questions. You know, what are the, these are the questions to basically ask. And it gave just very good, you know, maybe norm core, but very good level, level-headed advice. And it's interesting, you know,
1: and I, I think it's going to, uh it, it's going to be right. In- so you're saying, you're saying not just school, but maybe boarding school That's for right. kids? <laughs> Run by the chat GPT, Chet GPT boarding school. You terrific. I, I, I feel like there almost has
0: to be a, I mean, because kids are still very much going to be kids and they will be taking all of their creativity and figuring out how to jailbreak this thing, how to turn it, how to get it to say horrific things. Um, so there, there, will be like an interesting back and forth on that. Um, I kind of, uh, so we interested to see how that unfolds. Um, Okay. Another one. Actually, I, Mike, I would love your take on this. So I've been just like very star eyed about all of the, this, this, glorious AI future. I am going to say that robotics has not materially moved that we, that you, you got in, that I, you're, you're still, and I'll make this like very concrete. You're still loading your dishes by hand. You're still cooking by hand. Like the things you're doing domestically um, are,
1: haven't really moved. Um, and that, so like mechanical automation has not progressed past the room. It is up. not
0: beca- I, because it. I don't think that's just totally economically. True.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, you you see the the like the Boston Dynamics robots and so on, and, mm-hmm. and they're genuinely impressive, but they're not hinged to last. You know, uh, the neural things that people are so thrilled by, right? Um, they're not, I th- and I, th- I think that's mainly right. But I think the big exception would be perception. Like their ability to understand the world is probably substantially better. As I mean, I'm, I used to be, you a zillion years ago, I was into robotics. I haven't been for a long time. My understanding of the field is like they have tapped into a lot of the improvements in computer vision that have been enabled partially by the neural stuff. But when it comes to like manipulation and, and so on, I think you're totally correct.
0: And I think it's also going to be, it's not even going to be that it's impossible, but it's just going to be like, it's just not economic. It's like, I actually don't need a $30,000 machine to make eggs. I'm happy to just like make eggs. And, um, Hasn't this been the story
2: about McDonald's for a long time that like there exists somewhere inside McDonald's research labs, like a totally automated fast food restaurant, but it's just not economical to deploy.
0: Oh, Interesting. Yeah, it would, it would not surprise me at all. And so, yeah, I think that like, and maybe that's a very concrete way to say it, is that I think fast food is you still have humans in the loop for for fast food. Um, you do not have um, but yeah, I think. Uh, and then another one. So another one that I actually and and this one I'm going to stop short on a prediction. But actually, Adam, I want to ask you a couple of questions because you mentioned earlier, um, the uh, you know, the fact that we have people write things on a whiteboard. Um, will our LLMs going to change that at all? And so our LLMs going to change interviewing, and our LLMs going to change the kind of the presence of GPT as a tool going to change interviews. And are they going? I mean, I think they are definitely going to change try. code review. I actually do really wonder if you're not going to have because uh, code review is a task that's really important, but is one that is uh, automated. Code review is going to be something that's going to be interesting. I think people will look at. I mean, obviously, people already are.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, very interesting, but you're right, in terms of like the interview process, I think there's probably gonna be at least an initial backlash of the like, you know, I had to come up without this tool so you don't get to use it as part of this process or whatever, um, but I wonder if that's just gonna be sort of a gut reaction rather than something that sticks. Yeah,
0: oh, oh, then uh, another question for you, Mike, around in the Ad-Moders, if you've done a specific one on this too, but um, these open source models, um and hey, law hey actually so on.
2: Yeah. before you get there go back yeah. half a step the big exception yeah. to what you mentioned is is now that i think of it is is obviously drones where there's been like incredible deployments right um
0: it, totally that and we don't I... use
2: we don't use robots to load the dishwasher but like it's very plausible that at some point pretty soon it becomes economical for me to get a burger via a drone that that's kind of wild to think about that that becomes possible before the dishwashing robot.
0: It is wild to think about. So yeah, do you? It, and you know, I think six years ago, it would have felt absolutely nuts to predict that. I, but in six years from now, it does not feel total. But that said, a world in which everything's being delivered by drone is going to be very loud, among other things. Um, I feel like, Mike, there's a good prediction to be teased out here. I'm going to go ahead and predict that wealthy enclaves have banned drone deliveries in six years. And it's like hugely contentious. Just, it's, it's, I'm just thinking of the, the the gas-powered leaf blowers that caused Nextdoor to explode in various neighborhoods. Um,
2: I wish I could have some very spicy take on Nextdoor from six years from now, but I don't think I can. I don't have it at hand, and I, I don't want to uh, freestyle it. Um but, the, but I think, that's a good prediction. And I think, like, six years where, you know, let's say some class of fast food is regularly delivered inside the United States. Like, I don't know, I don't know if a pizza is actually going to fit on a drone. Like, there's, in the same way that a pizza used to be the only thing you could get delivered, like, you couldn't get French fries delivered, there's probably some kind of food form factor that is ideal for drone delivery. There's going to be at least one class of fast food that gets delivered to your house via your drone. That's, a, that's a, a better prediction than, than I, I, I had before.
5: A smaller uh, developing countries with a smaller language base, like Armenian, Estonian, you know, who have a couple of million people, have already started pushing from the government uh, m- much content and finally started digitizing things properly, just in order to get that data fed into an LLM to be used by the public. So like the government here was like, okay, we will like this chat GPT thing, but is, does it work on Armenian 3.5. It was very, very not usable Four right. can finally type properly. But the sentences, you know, kind of make sense. It's, 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 it's not. Like, you can't even use it to translate, similar to Google Translate, but it it can write some things. It sometimes misses the word coffee for pink for some reason. I don't know why. But now the government's like, okay, can we digitize all of these, you know, 2,000 years of archives of our culture, make it public so an LLM can learn based on that? Maybe we can even, just like, you know, old programming languages becoming more popular now, maybe even smaller languages can... Be easy to learn, thanks to an LLM, and hopefully governments or people pushing that content to be available to these companies and projects. So I, I think that that might also be a very interesting push to more, you know, digital publishing by smaller countries, even pushing their limits really as much as they can.
0: It's really interesting. And so, do you think that because I mean, for I mean, you're in Armenia. But you – we're obviously – we're having this conversation in English. English has kind of – has become the lingua franca of high tech. Do you think that that will begin to become less necessary Be where it's like actually because you'll be able to uh, – Armenians will be able to work in Armenian and have that be translated or is that – are we going to live in that kind of a sci-fi future or – Oh, do, Absolutely. Do,
5: yeah, I, I, I did not even consider that. So uh, one of my students, I, I, I teach a boot camp, asked a Unix question to, to the system, FreeBSD stuff, and like, he, he, he got the output in English, but he doesn't understand it. So obviously his first solution was to you know, put this into Google Translate. I mean, Armenia is you know, post-Soviet, so he was like, can you translate this to Russian? And the things that he couldn't understand in English, now he can understand in Russian. So obviously, if Armenian even gets better, a lot of you know younger people who don't know English necessarily might get into tech or other educational fields like no. physics, for example, in, in much earlier age because of the availability of the content. That's a very good point that I haven't considered, although I have seen every day with my boot camp. Yeah, they right. do that yeah. almost every day.
0: Which is like, you know, I just think that there could be so many positive ramifications of all this stuff. And I, you know, I know. um, And so I actually on that note, um, Mike, when you and I were talking earlier about the prospects of one, three and six year predictions, you did have one six year prediction that I feel we've got to get, got to get on the recording here.
2: Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't do this one. Yeah. Okay. So I want to, I want to phrase this one carefully. So, um. You know, when, you talk, when you talk about the, the, all the discussion of AI and so on, you had mentioned the AI doomers earlier, Brian, which I, I, I agree with you. I'm, I, I hope your one-year prediction comes true and that people are, are no longer worried about you know, the Terminator taking over. I, I think there's a lot of people perhaps rightfully concerned with kind of the, the, the social ramifications that, the, that models, if, especially if they can't be inspected, um, they might yield you know, um, some forms of discriminatory decision-making or other kind of negative social outcomes that are hard to detect, like are negative for people who have gotten the short end of the stick for a long time, and that will generally regret you know, importing AI into. And I don't know if this is a prediction, but let's call it a possible path for six years from now. I think there's a vision in which At least for some forms of discrimination, AI comes to be viewed as actually a positive thing insofar as it allows you to reduce the amount of discretion in people's heads and make certain kinds of decision-making more regularized and predictable. And so if there's a class of person or professional role in which you think, some amount of discretion today has to be granted and they're misusing it. Maybe they don't even realize they're misusing it, but you can look at the data after the fact and say, yeah, people with certain backgrounds are, are getting mistreated. If you outsource that to some kind of computational process, it doesn't guarantee that it'll be a decision process you agree with, but it does let you debug it, engineer it, and make it replicable. So I think there's a path by which uh, Increasingly automated decision making is viewed, in that sense at least, as a more just outcome, or at least an element of like a, a more just future.
1: I think is that's really interesting, yeah. Mike. You know, you know, I'm thinking about like, for example, promotions at, yeah. at companies, and it sort of mixes your your previous prediction a little bit in that folks look at data and they kind of squint at it, but they come with all their biases, all our biases. And so maybe a way of, of providing a, a gut check or, or a validation of, of some of the data to, to see if you're behaving in equitable ways. I think it's really interesting. And it's at least plausible, right? It's possible.
0: I think that that's part of what, um, what makes this so interesting is that there are a, there's, there's a whole world of possibility out there. And I feel like, you know, we've been as humans are want to do, we've been focusing on some of the darker outcomes without actually, and it, which is not to say that those should be ignored or the risks should be minimized, but um, there's some real positives, um, deep positives that could be really uh, uh, world changing in, in, in a bunch of different dimensions. I know that's a, that's a great one. Um, now, now so good, the,
2: if, you, if you want to look at the dark side of things, you could say like it only works by reducing the amount of discretion that individual people have, right? Like, only by bolting you to the hive mind ever closer does that positive future come to pass, and so let's just say it's going to be a mixed bag
0: well, I totally and then hey look in my in in my future of of uh democratized omniscience it first it requires you to pass through the police state in which all in conversations are recorded so um there's there's obviously peril in all of this stuff um and a great possibility for abuse and misuse, but um. There's, uh, th- there's also great possibility for, for truly delightful things. And, you know, I, and I, I even, um, I, I guess I'm bullish on humanity in that, you know, I think we, we generally like figure out ways to make these things work in ways that are pretty good. Um, and so I, I think we can do it. Mike, this has been great. I know it's late there um, and th- this episode always runs long, but we really, really appreciate your perspective um, and you're g- taking us on your glimpse into the future. Um, th- th- I think we've got a lot of good predictions. Folks have been putting good predictions in the chat. Please continue to do that. Leave the chat open for a, a little bit here so folks can, can drop their predictions in there and you can get them down. Um, and uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, it, it, I guess Adam will be looking back on this year being like, Wait, was that the year that Cantrell just like lost his mind? And just, <laughs>
1: like, <laughs> where Chad GPT had been feeding him answers right, all day.
0: Exactly. The robot overlords, right?
2: Exactly. Oh, where it was revealed, what a good gimmick was, that would
1: have been. I should have shown
2: up and just piped this whole <laughs> thing into the LLM and just said, well, many people disagree about what 2024 will have in store. Have been great. That's right. It, it was later <laughs> revealed
0: that Cantrell was an agent of the LLMs, was actually on the take, and the robot overlords had already taken over and have been using me as a vessel to convince everyone that there's nothing to worry about. Um, no, that's not true. As far as you know, that is not true at all. I'm really <laughs> disappointed that you even say that or think it. Um, everything's fine, everybody. Please embrace the robot overlords. <laughs> Blink twice, Brian. Blink exactly. twice. All right. Well, hey, thanks a lot, everybody. And uh, Trent, thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks to Ashley and Steve as well. Um, Adam, obviously, thanks to you. And Mike, thanks again for, for joining us. I got us. to go um, to work. And, and there oh you go. God. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, here's to a great 2024. Um, and we'll uh, look forward to seeing everyone, again, certainly next year, but um, also for a lot of Oxide and Friends in the coming year.